Today is Thursday, March 26, 2020, in the year of COVID-19. Nobody likes to change. People fight change every day. Ever try to change someone's mind? It's like fighting the wind with a spoon. Change means different, and nobody likes different. We cling to what we know because it is comfortable like old leather. Change is new, and new is scary. New is the unknown that causes stress or excitement. The first day of school was exciting for me. The first day at a new job was exciting. The first time I met my future wife at a coffee shop 22 years ago, the birth of my son, these were all exciting, all new things, all very exciting. We all know what happens when we get scared, right? Your brain, your body goes into overdrive. Your breathing increases, your heart beats faster, you begin to sweat, your hands get clammy, fight or flight kicks in. It is totally natural. It is just your limbic system in your brain responding to the stress that you feel. We all react the same way. The really neat thing is that when we are excited, we get the same reaction. Fast breathing, racing heart, sweats, different situations, same limbic response. So why do we prefer one over the other? Well, when we anticipate fear, like going to a scary movie or riding on a roller coaster, We get the same limbic reaction from our brain, but we also get a reward from the same system. The limbic brain gives you a positive and desirable reaction to the anticipated fear with a release of dopamine, and dopamine gives a very pleasurable experience. When you face the unpredictable, the fear results in the same limbic reaction, but you don't get the payoff of pleasure. Sorry, no dopamine for you. When we anticipate fear, we get pleasure and feel good. When we are surprised by fear, we panic. We spend all of our money on toilet paper. So how do we combat this natural betrayal of our brain? It's really rather easy as the brain is not a very intelligent organ. The brain basically believes whatever the body tells it. If the body says that there is a leg where one was amputated, the brain is deluded into believing that there is a leg still there. Since the response to fear and excitement are the same, and anticipated fear is basically excitement anyway, the next time you are caught off guard by something fearful, tell yourself, this is exciting. If you listen back in the early episodes of this podcast, you will hear that I keep referring to this crisis as something very exciting. This is how you control fear. It is all about pivoting. To pivot is to suddenly turn around. In basketball, you pivot to avoid your opponent so that they do not get the ball. In life, you pivot to move in a different direction. Pivoting is a fundamental change in strategy and direction while staying grounded in your routine. Pivoting is redefining normal. We pivot when we are faced with a disruptive event like job loss, relationship breakups, or like COVID-19, which is about as disruptive as you can get. A pivot allows you to create and gain from new opportunities for growth, learning, motivation, and dominance. This is also control. Fear is the mind killer. It is the opposite of control. Change fear to excitement and you regain control. Now, this is not something that is easy or simple to do. Pivoting is challenging and hard, but it has and can be done. I want to share something with you that my wife has given me, and it does speak to pivoting. My wife suffers from bronchitis and seasonal allergies, which right now also include cold symptoms, and she is very prone to picking up other people's cold and flu viruses. Now, she doesn't have SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. Let me make that clear. She is, however, staying home and away from people in places that could impact her compromised immune system. 
My wife has a fear of the unknown with this crisis. She doesn't know how long we can sustain a calm routine when there's no end in sight. It makes her anxious. It's the same as everyone. Not knowing what is happening creates uncertainty. We face that beyond this crisis. We face it everywhere. In order to cope with this marathon, my wife has established conditions, habits, rituals for the family to manage our uncertainty during the crisis. Doing something is better than doing nothing. She had to use her noodle and get creative as we are living in a house together for longer than we normally would each day. We are constantly in each other's face. So right now, my monkey sphere consists of three people, myself, my son, and my wife. Now, our family has always thrived on routine and schedule, so we're not really facing a personality clash, as this is pretty much how we have always been. We've always been like the three amigos. I am obviously the handsome and witty Steve Martin. This is how my wife and the mother of my son deals with sudden change in the family dynamic. This is how she responds to unanticipated fear. She pivots. She gets excited about creating a new schedule around my new hours of working at home and the family time. She schedules when it is time to work and when it is time to shut everything off and be a family. The routine is that after my workday is done, we have a coffee together in our vestibule and we regroup. We vent, we laugh, we scheme, we become normal, if only for a few moments. In a marathon, it is like being handed a cup of water. So my wife makes sure that my son and I all eat supper together as a family. This is our routine. Our lives revolve around routine. In the evening and the weekend, we play games, clean, watch movies, so on and so forth. And we make certain to have individual do not disturb me time. I breather from each other. Now this may not work for everyone, but it is part of how we pivot to redefine our normal. I gave everyone an exercise which was to reduce your information intake to a single reliable source, cutting down the noise and giving you a chance to process the data. All of you who could do that took back a measurable amount of control in your lives. Last episode, I went over how to process that information in order to gain knowledge and experience. And those of you who are successfully doing this analysis have probably already started to see some of what I'm about to tell you. The media is not fact. The media wants you to be afraid because fear keeps you listening. And the more you listen, the more audience they retain and the more advertising dollars they can generate. This is why your media source drowns you in facts that fit their objectives of keeping you in fear. Why they talk about infections and fatality rates and threats to the food supply. This is why they fill dead air time between updates with pundits that all promote the objective of creating panic. Stop listening to them. It is unhealthy. Let me first get you to understand the difference between what the media is telling you and what the facts are. There is a virus. It is a novel coronavirus. This means that it is a new virus, like the swine flu was in its time. It is a respiratory infection called SARS-CoV-2. It can be mild or it can be severe, but it is not a super virus. It is incredibly weak. It is destroyed by soap and water. It is a very thin water membrane, and in nature, everything wants water, so this virus fights everything off that wants its water for themselves. This is why the virus wants inside your lungs, where it can be safe and protected and comfortable. Look, it's just looking for shelter like any other living thing. In a few cases, the virus causes the disease called COVID-19. COVID-19 can be as mild as the flu, or in some cases, not as many as the media would like you to believe, more extreme respiratory illness, which can be fatal, especially in an overwhelmed healthcare system. People are dying not because of the disease, but because we lack the resources to fight the disease. We need more ventilators, and we need medicine to treat the disease. Ventilators are a limited supply. Treatment is limited by research. 
Now, here are the basic boiled down facts. You have probably already found some of this by weeding through the information already. Age plays a major factor in surviving this disease. Those over the age of 65 are dying and the fatality rates are doubling. They are the hardest people hit. The largest number of fatalities are among those suffering hypertension, heart disease, and diabetes, which also suppress the immune system. And that is another group of people in this group, those with vulnerable or compromised immune systems. A healthy immune system seems to have very little problem fighting off this disease. So if you do not fall into this group of people, you probably have less to fear about this virus. Continue to wash your hands and use social distancing because although you would probably survive being sick, the person you infect may not. And you may have an underlying condition you don't know about and you may be impacted very severely. Until Italy surged, China had the largest number of deaths and the fastest rate of death. They also had the highest number of people suffering from diabetes than anywhere else in the world. Italy, Germany, and Spain have the oldest populations in Europe. In fact, Italy has been on the push to get young people to relocate to their country because they've already seen their aging population as a threat to their future industry and productivity. So it's no wonder that they have such a high rate of death. It has nothing to do with a super virus or people infecting each other or a virus running rampant. It's simply an aging and vulnerable population. Germany and Spain are pretty well the same, with Spain being retirement nation of choice for many seniors. Now, Iran has the highest level of hypertension in the world. Look at them up there behind Spain and Italy and Germany. They have a high level of people dying. And the United States. There are over 51 million people over the age of 65, and they're mostly in New York, Los Angeles, and in Florida. And these are some of the hardest areas hit in the U.S. Now, globally, by age, the deaths for seniors over the age of 80 is 15% of the cases. Over the age of 70, it's 8%. Over the age of 60, it's 3.5%. Compare that to over 50, that's only 1.3%. Over 40 is 0.4%. And between 20 and 40 is 0.2%. So age is a factor. And as we age, our immune systems become weak. The media tells you all this information, but they like to hide it among all the noise because the media prefers sensationalism over statistics. Statistics, however, tell the whole story. Stats are facts. They can be validated. They can be analyzed. They can be synthesized. They can create a factual picture. The media is not fact. The rates of infection continue to rise and will continue to rise because testing has not yet caught up with the people who are infected. We already know that 30 to 50% of illnesses go unreported. Just research the CDC. The facts are there. We are watching the bell curve. Everyone talks about the bell curve. The media promotes the cases on the bell curve because this is sensationalistic. It sounds big. What it actually means is that more people are getting tested, not that more people are getting infected. More people are being discovered, not more new cases. We think that things are getting bad because the media wants us to think that. Remember, fear keeps you watching, which generates their ad revenue. Panic creates commerce. The media accomplishes this through very subtle psychology that tricks us into believing that they feed us facts and truth. It's called dominant thought. They dominate the delivery of information and therefore dominate what and how you think. And if they dominate how you think, they dominate how you act. We all use mental shortcuts in our normal life. These are efficient mental processes that help us to solve problems quickly, to estimate, to learn new concepts. These shortcuts make problems less complex by ignoring some of the information. Now, group bias plays a large part of this effect. And I talked about group bias before. Let me explain what that is. 
Basically, when humans are uncertain, they make decisions and judgment with limited time, resources, and information. We use shortcuts that are a trade-off between accuracy and effort. Time for an example. We hear that there are a growing number of cases every day of people with COVID-19 and a growing number of deaths, and we link that to a growing infection. The media tells us that this is the case, and everyone around us accepts that this is fact. So it becomes easier for us to give in to the group bias and decide that this is also fact. We trade effort, researching correct information, for accuracy. So less effort equals less accuracy. We all want to be part of a group. We all want to belong, to be part of something. Now, in order to belong to the group, we have to fit in. And in order to fit in, we have to be similar to the rest of the group. My family is a group, and we all want to belong to our family group. This means giving in to the group bias. Now, my wife and son love to watch wrestling. They think it's the best entertainment bang for your buck. I, on the other hand, am not that much into wrestling. But if I want to fit into their group, if I want to be part of their enjoyment of this, I need to be part of their experience. So I need to accept their love of wrestling and that wrestling is fantastic. So I need to learn to enjoy it if I want to be part of the group. So I need to give in to the group bias, whether I believe it or not. Now, in a larger setting, the dominant thought of the group bias has a greater impact. Advertisers use this to get you to buy their product or watch their movies. This is why fans of a particular actor will forgive them for a bad movie. This is what the media wants from you. They want you to cave in to the group bias and give in to their dominant thought. They want you to panic because people who panic spend more money. They watch more media and they spread what they hear as if it was gospel. You are smarter than that. I'm going to give you another exercise so that you can gain control and redefine normal. It is up to you to choose to try it or to not try it. You have the power to accept the easy road or take the harder road. It is always easier to follow with the herd than to be the one that leads. In an earlier podcast, I asked you to pick a single reliable information source. Then I showed you how to validate the information, synthesize it into knowledge, and apply that knowledge to gain experience. That exercise taught you how to find the facts amid all the noise, to separate fact from fiction. Now, I want you to switch off. Stop watching the news reports. Stop reading the updates. Stop streaming the experts and pundits. Stop taking in the dominant thought of the media group. Stop listening to other people. Take a day off. You won't miss anything, I promise. Just take a break. Stop being afraid. Fear is a mental function. You are going to change fear into excitement. You are going to free yourself of the group bias. You are going to prepare for what happens after COVID-19. You are starting to think on your own and taking control of your life. You are no longer going to react to things. You are going to decide and plan how are you going to act. You are about to start redefining your normal. If you are enjoying this series of podcasts, please tell a friend, leave a comment, and share the link with others. Be well, and thanks for listening.